0: Hello and welcome to the Korean Beauty Show podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Lee, K-Beauty expert, founder of Style Story, where you can shop, learn and explore the world of Korean skincare, and the founder of K-Beauty brand, Jelly Co. So a big welcome back to the show for another week, and I'm not sure if you have been keeping count over the years, I know I have certainly lost count on more than one occasion, But it is today our 200th episode so that is pretty crazy in and of itself to think that i have sat here and recorded 200 or i'm now recording 200 episodes so i thought this probably deserved a little bit of its own special just to do something a little bit different than what we normally do on the show and maybe take a little bit of a look down memory road now i have done a few of these kind of look back episodes before at the end of the year as a time I generally tend to do some of them I think we might have done something special for our 100th episode but again it was 100 episodes ago I, my memory is not the best uh it's pretty it's pretty crazy because the podcast started in May of 2020 which was like peak pandemic and it is now May 2023 so that in and of itself I'm I'm quite impressed with myself for keeping on going because Ah, oh, look, there's been plenty of times when I just have had so much other stuff on. I'm like, the last thing I feel like doing is podcasting, but... Here we are, three years later, uh, and I'm not sure if p- too many people have been listening since the very beginning. I know that our listenership has changed a lot over the years uh, and you know where people are tuning in from, so I'm trying to keep it a lot more global these days, just because I know that originally we started out with probably most of our customer base being in Australia, listener base rather, and they were Style Story customers. Uh, people that were wanting to tune in to hear about, you know, what's going on over here, because that was something that I previously used to do in person at our K-beauty meetups. And because of the pandemic, that sort of put rest to them. Uh, And so I took up podcasting really just as a way to stay connected to people, to chat through what I'm seeing over here, because I could not go back to Australia. Australia was one of those countries that locked its borders, and in the end, I uh, couldn't get back until early this year. That was the first chance that I've really had to go back to Australia since 2019. Uh, so that was the original impetus for starting the show was just, you know, as a, I guess an Aussie that has been living and working over here now for many years. What's going on here in Korea is very different to what was trending in beauty uh, still is. But that was kind of why I started the show in the first place. Uh, and it really has... Kind of stayed the same, the purpose. It's just that who's listening to the show, I think, has really changed. We've got a lot more people from around the world. Uh, America is now our number one source of listenership. So, a big hello to all of our US based listeners. Uh, And we're getting increasing amounts of listeners come through from the UK and Canada as well, which is fantastic. Uh, So, thank you so much to everyone that has tuned in over the years, supported the show, especially everyone that has left a review for the show. Uh, anyone that has reached out to me over Instagram, through email, however, you know, so many different ways that people have reached out to me or the team uh, and we absolutely love hearing from you. So for something a little bit different today, I thought, why don't we have a look at how K-Beauty has changed since I first started using it. So, this is quite, I guess, the journey, really, because it's been a while and there's been so many different iterations. So many things have happened. Uh, you know, I'm a lot older than I was when I first started using Korean beauty products as well. The market is so much more mature. So a lot has gone on. Uh When did I start using K-Beauty products? I started using them for the first time in 2011, which was when I moved here for the very first time to go to uni. So if you haven't heard my my whole story, sort of how I got into K-Beauty in the first place, it was completely by accident. Uh, I discovered K-Beauty by chance when I was doing a university exchange here all the way back in 2011. I was doing my law degree, the last semester of my law degree uh on exchange and the backstory to how I ended up in Korea unlike pretty much everyone else on my exchange who was here because they loved K-drama or k-pop I basically was forced <laughs> that, that's putting it too highly I wasn't forced but I didn't get my first preference my first preference for exchange was Hong Kong that's where I really wanted to go and I submitted my application to my uni and they were like ah uh, no. You have already been on exchange before. You went to a really popular destination last time, which coincidentally was Singapore. I had been to Singapore. I went to NUS, the National University of Singapore, had the best exchange ever. Uh, And that was a bit of a competitive one as well. So they were like, Lauren, you can't go to two really popular unis. You have to pick something else. So, I went back to the drawing board and literally it was like throwing darts at a wall. I was like, okay, who offers law subjects in Asia somewhere just because of the time difference with Australia? I didn't want to be in Europe. I've lived in Europe before. I did some of my schooling in Italy. I know the time difference between Australia and Europe and it's really hard to stay in touch with everyone. Uh, And I just wasn't really keen to do that. For my last semester, I just wanted to go away but still be able to keep in touch. So I knew I wanted to do something in Asia, and I was literally just going to go to wherever offered some law subjects in English in Asia. And it so happened that I found a uni in Korea that did that and I was like, look, I don't know anything about Korea. I've, like, literally nothing. I've never really heard too much about it. I know they have spicy food, which could be a problem for me, because at the time I didn't eat spicy food. But there was one other person I knew who was in Korea at the time, and that was one of my best friends who I'd met a few years previously when I was living in Singapore. She happened to be back in Korea studying for her master's, and I was like, brilliant, I will know one other person in the entire country, that sounds like a go. And so off I went, I rocked up. Uh, I had no idea. I thought I knew Asia. I thought, you know, I'd traveled around a fair bit. I'd been to Taiwan, Hong Kong, lived in Singapore, visited Malaysia, been to Vietnam. Like, I thought I knew what I was in for, and it was the biggest shock of my life when I arrived. There was no English pretty much anywhere. Uh, It was so hard to sort of find my way around. Not that many people spoke English. Yeah, it was just a whole different ball game. But one of the things that I came across that really did change my time there, because I had a pretty hard time the first time I came to Korea, to be honest, I didn't love it. Uh, I just found it to be not the most welcoming place uh, compared to other parts of Asia. Uh, I found it really hard to get to know any of the locals. That's a whole other story. <laughs> but uh, so one of the things that, I really enjoyed during my my time there was falling in love with all of these beauty products that I never knew existed. Uh, it really did change my life. That is not an uh, understatement. I mean, it changed everything about the course of my life in the end. But when I very first discovered Korean beauty products, I it was like falling down the rabbit hole. That's what it felt like. I was just like, Alice in Wonderland, like, how are there all of these stores, brands, products that I have never heard of before, and they are amazing. And, you know, they work for my skin, which was such a struggle and a battle for me, having had acne, really severe acne as a teenager. For me, skincare was literally a chore. It was so boring. I was the only one of my friends that had to use skincare and that was because I had bad skin. So to me, I kind of equated skincare with something that was really uncool and used by basically the loser kids that got bullied at school because they had bad skin. That was pretty much my experience with skincare up until then. No one was into it. It wasn't cool. You didn't, like, share with people the products that you were using. Um, You know, like, it wasn't an event kind of like it is now where people are sharing what they use and people are asking for recommendations. That was not the state of the world in 2011 when I discovered K-Beauty. So, what has changed since then? So, this is a little bit more what K-Beauty looks like now. So, in 2011, the big brands that I can remember, and it was a while ago, were Skin Food. That was the first brand that I ever discovered that I fell in love with. I think I tried half the store by the time my exchange was finished uh went back and i think the majority of the products that i bought back for other people to try which sort of kick-started the whole style story thing in the first place what was from skin food and people were obsessed with them back in australia they thought they were amazing they were so cute they were so different the concept was just so well done uh And the other brands that were really trending at that time were Peri They had, like, this range of lip tints that were really, really popular. I think they had, like, foundations or BB creams and a little puffer cushion from memory. Too Cool for School. That was a really big one. They had some really, really cool products too um, that – performed quite differently from other things in the market they had this one mascara that had a wand that was like retractable and you could like make it more voluminous or you could make your lashes longer depending on how you wound up the little mascara brush that was really cool Holika Holika was everywhere. It was really, really popular. They had like this magic theme that was, you know, designed to like cast a spell. That was pretty much all of their products were like named around magic and doing magic and changing your appearance through magic, which was really cute. Etude House, as it was called back then, of course, nowadays, it's just going by Etude. Etude House was just too much fun. It was like done up like a big doll's house and everything had like this princessy theme. It was just like so whimsical, so cute, so much fun. Tony Moly, of course, back in the day was doing all of the different, you know, the little bunny lip glosses and the um, the fruits as um, hand creams and whatnot that people used to get really into. It's Skin was another one. And they had so many cute concepts. They had like these little BB creams done up as like angel faces, like all of this kind of stuff. That's what I remember from like the beginning of my K-Beauty journey was just like brands nailing their brand concepts. Everyone had a very distinct brand identity. They had something that they stood for and they just went all in on selling that story, selling that concept with everything they did. Now, what does K-Beauty look like now, circa May 2023? Obviously, it could not be more different in many ways. And that is, you know, going to be dependent on where you are, of course, because Korean beauty in Korea, as I've spoken about on the show recently, versus Korean beauty trending everywhere else is quite different. In Korea, at the moment, what we're seeing is a whole bunch of really sleek, minimalist brands. Uh, We've got brands uh, that are really leaning into the whole clean angle, sensitive skin, barrier repair. All of that is really trending. Round Lab, Estura, Manufactory, Dialba Piedemont, one of the biggest brands at the moment, Romand, who is really nailing up with a lot of their makeup. Uh, And then there are just too many vegan makeup brands, honestly, to count at the moment it seems like if you're launching a makeup brand in korea circa 2023 it is like a requirement that you be vegan so that is like what they're all leaning into at the moment overseas on the other hand it's quite different and it's really the very big brands with huge 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 investments or marketing budgets that are killing it overseas rather than at the indie end of the market so who we're seeing is in australia certainly and the states brands like dr jart Innisfree, COSRX, and Laneige. uh, And having just come back from the Middle East, they are also popular there. Other brands like Low Recipe uh, that are made in Korea, run by Korean Americans, uh, they call themselves K-Beauty Inspired, but also a really uh, big and popular brand at the moment. So it's changed a lot. I don't think necessarily for the better, but I think it's also a sign of the times as well. Uh, And I feel like we've just been speaking for basically the last three years about the shift towards clean, green, uh, ingredient focused, all of this kind of thing. Whereas once upon a time, it was about having a brand story. These days, it's less about that. And it's more about the ingredients in the product. So you will see a lot of brands Keyword stuffing, for a lack of a better phrase, there are products uh, so that they list everything in the name that is. In their particular serum or whatnot, so that when people are Google searching or whatnot, they can see that product. So, you know, if someone's searching for niacinamide 10%, you'll come up with, you know, the Paula's Choice one. Obviously, one thing has their own niacinamide 10%. It's that kind of market at the moment where everyone is trying to get their keywords into the name of the product so that it will pop up when you're maybe looking for something else. Uh, Another big thing that has really shifted. So obviously when I first started using K-Beauty, it was next to impossible to get it overseas. Certainly it was really, really difficult to get it in Australia. There are a couple of places offline doing it, but very much hodgepodge and just a, a mix of whatever the people wanted to stock. And there just weren't that many online retailers globally selling Korean beauty products. It was very, very niche. Now, that has come such a long way, even in that amount of time, in the last, what, 13 years, that most of the big K Beauty retailers now actually have their own brands. So not only do they run their own stores, but they run their own brands. Now, Glow Recipe, maybe very few people remember, started in a similar way. So, they started as a a curated collection of Korean beauty products, and then they launched their own brand, which went so gangbusters that basically now they don't need to sell other people's products, and they only sell their own branded stuff. There are other uh, retailers as well in the States that have done the same thing, and that they run now their own uh, brands as well. I'm pretty sure some of them do still sell other people's products, but they do run a couple of their own different brands. Style Story, obviously, we launched Jellico in 2020, so that was our own one. Uh, I know in Korea as well, a lot of the offline retailers have a whole bunch of different brands that they own and run. Uh, Style Korean invests heavily in a lot of different K-beauty brands. They're part owners in a whole lot of them, Uh, and then they sell them obviously on their own platform as well. So that has completely shifted. That just was not the case back in the day, but that is also a reflection of the importance of on retail channels as well uh, and particularly for k-beauty online has been so important in making uh, korean beauty where it is today and globally as globally recognized as it is if it had just been waiting for offline i do not think that korean beauty would have taken off the same way Just because of how important the education piece is when it comes to Korean beauty, particularly in the beginning, explaining the difference to people, explaining how Korean skincare was different than Western beauty, how to use the products, all of those kind of things. That was really best achieved online uh, through the use of blogs. Uh, Now we've moved into video and things like that. But Instagram, online, being able to show people so that they felt confident enough to to try the products for themselves. Uh, you know, if we'd waited until the products were all on- available offline, I just don't think it would have worked. And I can give you countless examples of Korean beauty brands that did actually launch offline in overseas countries. And in the end, they failed. And the reason they failed is... A couple of different reasons, but brand recognition was a big one. It wasn't there. People didn't know the brand. They weren't looking for it. So even though it was on the shelves in an offline store, it was just kind of one other brand among many. Uh, So that was a big part. The other thing was, even if people picked up this product, if they didn't know how to use it, if they didn't know what an essence was or what an ampoule was or any of those things, then, you know, they just don't end up purchasing because people that are confused do not buy products. If you're still standing there wondering what it is, you're not going to purchase it. Uh, So I think online was really, really important for that, and I think that explains why so many online retailers now do have their own brands as well. The other really big thing that has been uh, the case for at least the last, I would say, couple of years, if not longer, four or five years, is the shift away from the reliance on China. So a lot of, I remember when I used to go to K-Beauty Expos when I moved back to Korea in 2016, and so many of the exhibitors were there with products that, I remember just looking at and going, no, that's not going to sell in Australia. They are obviously targeting the Chinese customer, or you know, customers that can can read Mandarin. Like they're just everything about the products and the way they were packaged to the the lack of English. All of these things, they're not products that were targeting the Western market. They were targeting Chinese consumers, and that has changed significantly. Uh, there have been lots of political things between Korea and China that have caused um, a, a shift in the relations. And then, of course, the other big thing was the pandemic uh, that has had a really big impact, obviously, on uh, the Chinese market locally, what they can, I guess, um, you know, Chinese people were confined to their houses, as far as I know, in a lot of the bigger cities for a long period of time, which then naturally had a flaw on effect to retail and all of those Sort of things. So, the shift away from the reliance on China has meant that we are seeing a lot more brands expanding into new markets. Uh, what are those markets? Obviously, America is a big one. They have um, had a lot more brands trying to launch their brands going through onto amazon and places like that the other one at the moment that i'm seeing more news around is of course the middle east uh, and i believe that laneige has just announced that they are opening their first uh, standalone offline store in dubai so i think that new markets like that are going to be uh, a really key focus for a lot of brands in the next five to ten years Now, the other big thing that has changed with K-Beauty since I first started using it is that it has gone mainstream. It's not a niche anymore. I remember when I first brought the products back, firstly, no one had ever heard of them, which that didn't surprise me at all because neither had I until I went to Korea. Uh, But, you know, for the first couple of years, I had to really explain to people in like really basic terms, like, What are we talking about? What is Korean beauty? What is K-beauty? Why should you want to try products from this part of the world? Like, I remember I had like a whole spiel that I used to send out. So, in the beginning, one of the ways that I started my brand uh, was I reached out to a lot of people who were bloggers because, of course, bloggers were, you know, the thing back in the day. And, you know, I'd be like, hi, I'm Lauren from Style Story. I've just set up this, you know, um, company and we are, you know, selling Korean beauty products. And there was literally an entire paragraph about what K-beauty is and why it's different and why you might like to try it. Like I literally had to explain to people in the most basic terms why they might even want to try it. And that is not the case anymore. I think people all over the world are paying attention to what Korea does. It is now widely acknowledged as a global beauty destination. Obviously, the advancements in technology, machinery for things like lasers, the various procedures like thread lifts have all been exported of course the products are now receiving global attention and recognition uh, and you know so many more brands these days are even making their products in korea rare beauty being just one example among many of the top trending brands in the world uh, that are, you know, coming over here to tap into that K-beauty technology. Uh, that is obviously a part of the work that I do over here as well. Uh, one of the branches of our business is consulting, uh, and we consult with a whole lot of different people that are looking at either, you know, uh, expanding their brand, including Korean beauty products. They are looking to manufacture all of their stuff from scratch in Korea. Maybe they're looking to export, uh, you know, specific products Uh, products or whatnot. So, that is part of the work that I do here as well. Uh, I think the other thing that has really changed is who is talking about the products and how. So, once upon a time, there used to be what I think we called the Asian beauty sphere, like Asian beauty. The Reddit thread was really, really big. Uh, And I remember I used to love going and checking that back in the day. Uh, And, you know, a lot of the people that were uh, talking about the products on Reddit had their own blogs. So it was really a space dominated by bloggers. And they were people that really knew what they were talking about. They had a deep knowledge of Korean skincare. uh, And they were really keen to share that with the world I suppose uh and that has really really shifted now if you go on to that particular reddit um well, what do you call A subreddit these days, you'll see that there are more followers than ever. But what was once dominated by people with a really strong and deep understanding is now really just replaced by a whole lot of superficial stuff. A lot of people posting hauls, asking about like the top trending products that they've seen on TikTok or whatnot. It's not a place that I spend basically any time on anymore because the value for me has really come out of it a lot. Uh, And I think that this is – you know the other thing, as the uh, market and the people using it have grown so much bigger. Uh, there's it's it's being talked about so much and sometimes the people that get the most attention that you know talk the loudest and not necessarily the people that know the most which is fine but I think a lot of it has shifted onto TikTok uh, and a lot you know a lot of like sort of grabby headline sort of stuff uh, you know you, you guys have probably seen what I'm talking about the way that content is consumed now is in like five or ten second grabs rather than blogs. Like, I don't know how many people actually still sit down. uh, We definitely do. I know at Style Story, our team, uh, we're pretty prolific bloggers, actually. Um, Our soul team blogs, our Australian team blogs. We try and get like a blog post out a day just because, you know, for the people searching for that information, I think it's really useful to have it there in long form. Uh, But I know that that is not how the majority of people are consuming their information now. It's all of these, you know, quick, snappy little TikTok dance style things, Um, you know, so that has really, really changed, I think. Um, And I think that's just also a reflection of the fact that now that there are a whole lot more people globally that are talking about it. So it goes without saying that, you know, people aren't going to all be sitting down to write like, you know, a thesis (laughs) <laughs> a of thesis about Korean beauty. But back in the day, it was kind of a little bit more like that. And you could really sort of sink your teeth into stuff. That's definitely changed. I'm not going to say that's, you know, for the worst or whatever. I don't think that's necessarily true. It's just different, right? The more people that do it, it just, um, it, it's a little bit different. And that then feeds into what's trending as well, of course. So, we've had that discussion recently about how what's trending in K-beauty in Korea is not the same as what's trending overseas and probably never will be again. And that's largely why. When you've got that many people marketing the products in different languages and different countries, what's going on in Korea just doesn't really matter as much. Like, the products are made here. They're made by Koreans. Like, it's enough, right? It doesn't really matter if uh, the number one selling Korean beauty product in America is not the same at some random offline store in Korea. Like, who really cares? Some people really do. (laughs) Some people devote a lot of airtime and attention to, you know, um, what, what do they call it? Like, busting the myth or whatnot about, like, this isn't really trending in Korea. And it's like, okay, cool. If it works for a lot of different people and they like the product, like, Honestly, are we really going to waste our life, you know, lecturing people about how they should like products that are popular in Korea? Like, no, that's obviously not how most – Global beauty trends work, and Korea is now at that level where it is a global beauty trend. You know, it's just like saying, oh, the popular Estee Lauder, for example, L'Oreal—they all make different products for different markets. They target the local markets in a way that people are used to being marketed to. Like that's just common sense. So that doesn't really bother me at all. Uh, I think it's natural. I think it's normal. I don't think it's something to be you know up in arms about. People like what they like at the end of the day, and you can bang your head against a wall trying to force them to like something but you know the path of least resistance is just like yes these are okay beauty products some brands trend differently some brands are bigger in particular countries they're obviously going to keep marketing to those countries then. Like, what kind of company would see that their product is going gangbusters in Malaysia, but then be like, oh, I'm going to pull back because we need to be popular in Korea as well? Like, no, that it doesn't work like that. So, I think that has really, really changed. Now, the other thing that I think has changed for the better is that there are more female founders. Now, Korea and Korean beauty is one of the rare breeds in the world where in the beauty sphere, it is still heavily mailed Dominated, if you have a look at the boards and the CEOs at a lot of the top companies that are playing in this space, they are still run and owned by men. And that really does shift the kind of products that are being made, how they're marketed, and all of those kind of things. Now, Korea in general has a terrible problem with misogyny uh, and The way that a lot of companies are run is not conducive to women succeeding in the workplace. I have no qualms about saying that. I have worked with some truly terrible men in this industry as well that treat either me or my staff badly uh, and you know now no longer work with them because I'm my own boss and we can choose who we want to work with, who we want to manufacture with. But I've had some really bad experiences in the past. And I think in this country in general, it's really hard to be taken seriously as a woman. Uh, I think that that's another reason why the birth rate in Korea has plummeted so low is because there is just very little uh, scope to see succeed as a woman, to succeed uh, as a mother, uh, and get ahead and, and, you know, make the kind of money that you need to make to, like, live your life. So, that's a discussion for a whole nother day. But the good news is that there are more female founders in the industry at the moment. Uh, Some By Me is one brand that was founded in 2016 by uh, a woman, Lee ji uh, Haru Haru is another one that uh, was founded by Jae Won Jung to uh, focus on your everyday skincare needs. And fermented black rice is obviously their star ingredient. Uh, Cho Songa, 22, was founded by one of Korea's most famous celebrity makeup artists. Chong senator Moo is another one. I Unique was also founded by a woman. And, of course, Jellico is my brand. Uh, I'm, I'm a female, so that's female founded as well. So, look, it's still not uh, at the level that you would see in... You know, I guess beauty companies overseas where they're predominantly female, mostly female. It's not the case in Korea. So I think that that is the main changes that I can think of off the top of my head. I think that the way the in- industry in general is trending at the moment is very much this focus on natural, clean, vegan. Uh, Uh, you know, brands that previously had very strong brand identities, packaging and concepts and whatnot are starting to look more the same. There is this push towards, uh, you know, the algorithm being able to recognize you as similar to other brands more quickly. And that's why we're seeing a lot of that, uh, particularly on social media. A couple of, you know, really big Korean beauty brands have just undergone uh, rebrands, new logos, new product looks. uh, And there's a fair bit of commentary online about, for example, Free, Solar Sue, whether the new branding, whether people like it or not, whether it is as distinctive as it once was. But that, for better or worse, is the way the industry is trending at the moment. I, for one, am predicting that we will see a swing back away from this. Not necessarily the sustainability stuff, because I think that it goes without saying that sustainability is very important in 2023, as it needs to be and as it should be. But whether this trend towards um, vegan at all costs, uh, you know, continues, whether the sleek minimalist branding, I just don't think this can continue in perpetuity. People are just going to get really sick of it. I don't know about you guys. I'm already really sick of it. Uh, So much of the stuff that passes my desk that I get emailed about, I'm just like, oh my God, snoozer palooza, miss, miss. (laughs) Like, it looks like so much of the stuff that's already there. I just don't see the point. Um, so that's just my own personal feeling about a lot of the the current trends that I'm seeing. I'm just like, give me newness, give me something different. I don't want to see the same thing. Um, you know, I obviously see probably a lot more than the average consumer does, you know, because I'm being pitched to constantly by brands as well. But from where I'm sitting, I'm just like, oh, God, if I see one more insert, you know, Centella serum here, I'm just going to fall asleep. Uh, So, look, I think that will change. I think that it will shift. But they are just some of the the changes that I've noticed in my time in K-Beauty. I thought I would share them with you just to do something a little bit different for our 200th special episode. Uh, If you have been listening to the show, enjoying the show lately, I would absolutely love it if you could share your thoughts, share your feelings, your review. That would be very, very appreciated on your favorite podcast app. And of course, feel free to share this episode with someone that you think might like it uh you know maybe you've been having these conversations with someone else maybe you've got a beauty friend that you like to have these discussions with if so i would love it if you would share the episode with them all right i'm gonna finish it up here for today and i will be back in your ears shortly until then i will see you on style story